Hello and welcome to D23 Inside Disney, the show that gives you a look at the latest Disney news and a peek at the people who make the magic at the Walt Disney Company. I'm D23's Jeffrey Epstein. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And we're your hosts who will take you Inside Disney. Best day of the week. Got to talk to my friends. Agreed. I feel like I'm like in school all day and this is recess or something. <laughs> yes. Totally. Well, Sherry and I ended up on like a Zoom last week together and it was like, oh my gosh, I felt like we were uh, cheating on you, Candace. You had nothing to do with the podcast. I was like, oh. Uh, Jeffrey That's was so like, weird. wait, you're not having this meeting from your closet? Closet. <laughs> the closet uh-huh. is fresh. It's sacred space for the podcast only. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sorry I missed that. Oh, um, we missed you, you. You are not sorry you missed that meeting. It was not. <laughs> the only thing that made it magical was Sherry. It was no podcast. Oh. So what have you guys been up to? I have been just super busy. You guys probably heard, but I had a chance to talk to like Disney Channel alum and stars Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, and not together, unfortunately, but two separate projects. But all that's so cool. coming to Radio Disney. Yeah. Demi and- Lovato, Selena Gomez. There's a whole lot of magic going on. Right yeah. There. What were some cool things that you heard that we should then tune in to listen to more about? Well, you definitely want to hear Demi Lovato talk about her new song with Marshmallow because that's been like a three-year process of getting them in the studio together, which they actually weren't in the studio together Mm. because nobody is at this point. But that was very cool. But you can see my interview with Selena Gomez and Blackpink on our Instagram at Radio Disney. So I love Blackpink, too. They were so cute. Y'all haven't watched their dance videos on YouTube. Ooh, you're missing out. (laughs) speaking of dancing the season premiere of dancing with the stars was this week and it was so good okay so tiger king's carol baskin and her partner pasha they did a paso doble to eye of the tiger (laughs) (laughs) that is so on the nose so on the nose nose. and even more on the nose carol was decked out in like tiger print ball gown and i'm like pretty convinced that she already owned that 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 wasn't (laughs) That wasn't a new piece. (laughs) And then I mentioned this last week too. Monica Aldama, the coach from Cheer, Mm -hmm. is also one of the celebrity dancers on the show. And she did a beautiful foxtrot with her partner Val. I feel like, I don't know if I'm qualified to say this, but I feel like she made Matt for sure. (laughs) They should have just said that, held up the card. Matt, not a number. (laughs) Oh, it was so fun. I love that show. Jeffrey, I saw you went to Downtown Disney, right? I did. I you, They can't keep me away. It was an, another great day down there. It was drinks at the Uva Bar. Then we went Ooh. to back to Tortilla Joe's for some of their delicious guacamole and mm. fabulous margaritas. I maybe spent too much money in World of Disney. <laughs> My niece Dylan is going to be getting a lot more fun things when I see her for her birthday. So Aww. yeah, there's a... There was a lot of magic, a lot of magic. And I will tell you, I feel like I'm letting out a secret here, though. I did get an awesome Hey Hey Hawaiian print shirt. Which oh, my God. I am obsessed. Obsessed. Please wear it in the next Zoom, no matter what it's for. Even okay. if it's like super important, like investor things or... Totally. Yeah. You guys are talking about, please wear the shirt. No problem. I'm sure. You can always that throw a tie over it and then it becomes a business attire. 
Oh yeah, there you go. I like how you're going with this. I'm very, very, uh, very down with that. As I quickly exit my role here at the Walt Disney Company. No. Um, <laughs> the other thing I got to do this weekend, which was so much fun, D23 did a drive-in screening at the Rose Bowl for Ooh. The Empire Strikes Back in honor of the film's 40th anniversary. And I, I, I mean, it's been a few years since I've seen that movie. I forgot how much I love that movie and how many of Star Wars' most iconic lines come from that film. Mm, yeah. I mean, no, I am your father. There is, there is no try. There's, I mean, there's, I love you, I know. I, wow. like, there are so many. There all are the so hits. many. And so that was just so much fun and great to be with all the D23 members, even if we were all in our cars. It just, it felt like a great communal experience. Oh, that's so nice. But we have so many other exciting things going on in our Disney world. In fact, in our Disney Earth to Ned, which <laughs> you guys know, I have been quelling about this show for weeks. It is <laughs> so freaking funny that when our fabulous producer, Bruce, told us that we had the option to interview Brian Henson the puppeteer, executive producer of Earth to Ned, chairman of the Jim Henson Company, my head nearly exploded off of my shoulders. So uh, coming up, we have our chat with Brian, who was everything I wanted him to be, and many a Claude more. And if you you watch Earth to Ned, you know what that means. <laughs> Cannot wait for that. Well, let's get into some Disney news, guys, because ABC has unveiled its scripted comedy series premiere dates for the 2021 season. Yay. Very excited Yay. about this. Yes, ABC's Wednesday primetime comedy block is going to be back October 21st. So we're going to get premieres of The Goldbergs, The Connors, and my favorite show, Blackish. So much to talk about here. The Goldbergs, they're going to premiere two back-to-back -back episodes on the 21st from mm. 8 to 9, followed uh. by The Connors at 9 and Blackish at 9.30. And American Housewife, they're going to join the lineup at 8.30 p.m. starting on October 28th. And speaking of Blackish, guys, they're going to actually air two standalone episodes coming up on Sunday, October 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern. And their first fully animated episode, which wow. I That's know, so cool. Right? Hilarious. So I'm excited to see all those guys animated. I do hope that Jennifer Lewis is animated because this would mark her <laughs> third time being animated for Disney because she's Mama <laughs> Odie and Princess and the Frog. Yes. She's Flo in Cars. Oh my and gosh. she's Grandma in On Blackish. I love <laughs> it. I'm so excited, guys. Also coming in October, a couple weeks after the Comedy Block debuts, or uh, 10 days, nine days after the Comedy Block debuts, the Mandalorian season two Ooh. and the trailer came out this week. It's got millions of views already on social. And honestly, I needed to catch my breath after watching it. It was like, <laughs> it was so amazing. I like imagining you watching and like forgetting to blink for that entire time. <laughs> I did. My eyes were very dry afterwards. That's clearly, thank you. Now I was wondering what happened. <laughs> Of course, the cast is back, and I was—I'm really excited because uh, you know, uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni directed. Uh, they're obviously the executive producers as well. But Bryce Dallas Howard uh, is back, and Robert Rodriguez is directing. I, I love that they've got these incredibly cool directors, and you can watch the full trailer on the Star Wars YouTube page right now. Exciting. Yay. Well, I've got some more Disney Plus news. I'm so thrilled for this one. It's the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse animated shorts. They're going to premiere on Disney Plus on Mickey's birthday. How fitting, which is November 18th. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> 
So The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, these are all new shorts, and it's from the team behind Disney Channel's Emmy Award-winning Mickey Mouse cartoon shorts that premiered in 2013. Yes. Fun fact, those shorts inspired Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway attraction at Disney's Hollywood Studios, which oh, we love. Good, so much fun. Yeah. And Chuby. Chuby. <laughs> so the shorts are seven minutes long. They include Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto. And it sounds like there's going to be some cameos from some classic Disney characters as well. So check them out. The series debuts on November 18th with two new shorts rolling out every Friday starting November 27th. And so 10 shorts will come out this year and then there'll be an additional set of shorts next summer. So cool. Well, also coming next year, 2021 to Disney Plus. We got a lot of Disney Plus news here. Yeah, we do. Doogie Kamealoha, MD. (laughs) I I don't know about you guys. You guys are probably too young, but Doogie Howser... Mm -hmm was a huge, wildly popular show on ABC many years ago, probably before you were born. (laughs) Um, They are reimagining that series. Uh, Courtney Kang, who is an EP and writer on Fresh Off the Boat, um, is working on 10 episodes of the comedy. It's going to follow a teenager with a budding medical career. And uh, this time she's a mixed race, a 16-year-old girl in modern-day Hawaii whose parents are guiding and complicating her journey a bit. Mm. Very fun show. And who knows, maybe maybe they'll get Neil Patrick Harris on to do a cameo. You never know. Wouldn't that be amazing? That That would would be be amazing. Her mentor or something. I'm putting it out there in the universe. (laughs) Well, surprise, surprise, there's even more Disney Plus news this week. Disney Plus, yes, (laughs) released an official trailer for Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. We've talked about this series on the show in the past. It's produced by Nat Geo, and it premieres on Disney Plus globally on Friday, September 25th. Josh Gad narrates their eight episodes. They dive into the details and the multifaceted aspects of animal care and conservation and, of course, Imagineering. If you check out the trailer, you get to see a little sneak peek at a baby gorilla, and it is as cute as you are picturing right now. Uh, (laughs) Love those baby gorillas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I definitely like them more than the big gorillas. That Little Ivan. (laughs) Yeah, Ivan. Do you remember when uh, Dr. Mark was on the show and he told us about the gorilla who, like, he thought might have seen himself in his glasses and came up and, like, like sort of touched him and he did not know what to do? That was, that was uh, funny. He lived to tell the tale. He did. He did. <laughs> well, another Disney World news, actually, at the resort itself, our guest from last week's show, Fantastic Imagineer Zach Ridley, just unveiled on his Instagram the very first canopy piece being installed on the Tron light cycle run in Magic Kingdom. There are going to be 40 of these huge pieces. And I forget, have you guys been to Shanghai? No, No. it's on my bucket list. Uh, So it was amazing to get to be there. I I got to be there for the opening. And that canopy is, it is so iconic. It is Hmm. incredible. And the way they light it is amazing, and it, it's like this integral part of the attraction. I'm so happy that they're putting it in there. I cannot wait to see it. It's a very dramatic sort of curved wave. Ooh. Yep. So that is all part of the fun and excitement coming to Walt Disney World. Well, there's more excitement coming to Walt Disney World this fall. I know last week, aka early September, I was talking about Christmas time. 
But before that, we've got Halloween, and there are tons of fun experiences headed to Walt Disney World. The Halloween cavalcades on Main Street USA include Mickey and his friends dressed up in their boo to follow Halloween costumes. Ah, ah, There'll be a a villain's cavalcade and a nightmarish procession featuring the Pumpkin King himself, a.k.a. Jack Skellington. So a lot of fun character experiences there. Again, we actually just posted a very fun story with lots of photos on d23.com. But I think there's more even. There is more. Well, starting on Sunday, September 20th, the Dapper Dans are going to emerge from their tombs for for acapella performances at Magic Kingdom Park. And they're going to be their alter egos, the Cadaver Dans. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for them. And the parks aren't the parks without food, of course. So at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Minnie's Halloween Dine is returning at Hollywood and Vine beginning next Friday, September 25th. So there'll be a feast with all kinds of Disney friends making special appearances. Minnie's going to be dressed like a witch. Goofy's going to be a cowboy. Mickey's going to be a vampire. And even Pluto gets in on the fun wearing a cute Halloween collar. Aww. Yeah. I wish I were there right now. That sounds so fun. I know. I've been looking back at my photos from this time last year just with such FOMO. Yes, yeah. love this time so at the parks. Yes. I actually had my, my Facebook uh, memory popped up from a year ago today, and I'm I was at Disney World. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. So sad. <laughs> I'm surprised you weren't at sea. <laughs> that was coming because I was that was before I did my two week the two week <laughs> yeah. Panama cruise. He goes to the so, park and go. takes off on the ship. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, more Disney Plus news. The original movie Clouds is going to debut October 16th. This one looks so good. I'm so Mm -hmm. excited for it. Mm -hmm. If you guys haven't heard, Clouds is based on the book by Laura Sobiek, and it basically tells the life and legacy of her son, Zach, who was diagnosed with a rare bone cancer when he was a freshman in high school. The disease spread, as you guys probably know the story. So he set out to spend his limited time following his dreams, including music. So he Hmm. went on to put out a song called Clouds, which debuted number one on iTunes. It went viral. I'm so excited for this movie, too, because Sabrina Carpenter is in it. You guys know from Disney Channel and her music on Radio Disney. She actually plays Zach's best friend, Sammy. If you guys haven't seen the trailer, you can watch it now on Disney's YouTube page. Again, Disney Plus Clouds, Friday, October 16th. I got chills hearing you just say that and got chills watching that trailer. It was. Yeah, uh, it's going to be beautiful. Mm. But you guys know it's coming this weekend. Tell us. I don't think I do. We have five fantastic things to watch this weekend brought to you by our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For the complete (laughs) listings and more details, visit D23.com. Wow, I think this is my favorite intro that from ever. <laughs> really, really well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you all did thank yourself. You. Yes. Well, September 18th, guys, Disney Plus, it's going to be brand new to the library. Bend it like Beckham. So a little yes. Oh, I you. love that. Me too. <laughs> soccer, soccer, soccer. There you go. <laughs> also on the 18th, the 2006 version of The Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen will be on Freeform. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's quite a fetching movie if you know what I mean. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry. 
And the next day on September 19th, you can watch the Creative Arts Emmy Awards special on FXX, which is going to be a combination of all the cool awards that have been given out over the week. And the next day on September 20th, you can watch the 72nd Primetime Emmy Awards on ABC, hosted by the host with the most, Jimmy Kimmel. So well, excited. Also on Sunday, there is an Emmy's special celebrity family feud airing on ABC. Y'all know Ooh. I love this show. I love Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. I am very excited for all of this. So this episode, it's going to be an epic family reunion with two comedy greats, Ray Romano and Brad Garrett. They're going to test oh. their skills, compete for charity. Then right after that, it's two rock bands who basically made my middle school playlist every single day fallout boy and weezer they're going head to head yes oh, yes <laughs> i love fallout boy. i mean they sang immortals for big hero six love them oh yeah. that's right yeah well today we have with us the chairman of the board of directors of the jim henson company he's a writer a director producer performer and a skilled innovator who has worked on some of our favorite shows and movies of all time please welcome to the podcast brian henson Hi. Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We're super excited. I always think it's such a stuffy sounding thing. He's chairman of the board of Jim Henson Company. Mostly I do really kind of goofy, weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Which we're going to get to talk about today because I was lucky enough to do a tour of the Jim Henson Studios before one of your fantastic Puppet Up shows. And I saw that your father's Disney Legend Award is very nicely displayed right up in, I guess it's sort of the, the front office of the studio. Oh, well, sure. I mean, it was a, it's a great honor to have honored my dad with that award. My dad loved, he, he was obsessed with Disneyland and Disney World. The Disney company was buying the Jim Henson company when my father died. And to this day, people think that the Disney company did buy the Jim Henson company. But after my dad died, it created all sorts of weird tax things. And ultimately, we couldn't do it. But Michael Eisner and I, we stayed friends and we made dinosaurs together. And then we went on to make Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. So, you know, we've had a great relationship with the Disney company. And then we did sell the Muppets to Disney. But the Jim Henson company is actually still independent of Disney Doing Earth to Ned with Disney has really been one of these lovely coming home sort of experiences. I've now worked with lots and lots of studios and partners. When we sold the Muppets to Disney, we've been we've been helping out here and there with the Muppets, but we haven't done something where we're producing in a partnership with the Disney company for several years now. My sister did one movie, but before that, not a lot because... Disney had the Muppets, and we were sort of giving them that space. And with a show like Earth to Net, it's so different from the Muppets. It's still puppets, but it's so different. And it really has been a lovely coming home sort of experience. It's so interesting because the, the things that are great hurdles with other companies are very much embraced by Disney. Like the in Earth to Ned, you know they're set. It's absolutely gorgeous, the, the ship mm-hmm. that they're on. Darcy Provost designed the most gorgeous set. And it's my, it's my favorite set I've ever shot on. That is an enormously expensive set (laughs) for for a talk show. That's, it's so expensive to try to get another studio to have agreed to how expensive that set is would have been just about impossible. 
And with Disney, they were very quick to realize, oh, this is what will make the show different. This will be one of the great strengths. And Disney are very, have always been very good that way. They actually embrace a lot of the really kind of out there ideas in a way that other studios don't. There's an appreciation and respect for creativity. If you're going to go over budget, go over budget because you're being extra creative. And that's you know a nice relationship to have. So you mentioned your dad loved Disneyland, but for you as a kid in a world of Muppets, how did you see Disney growing up? Well, first of all, I was a kid, so I thought my house was normal. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that we were as weird as we were. I, for me, Disney represented a few things. For one thing, the wonderful world of Disney every, what was it, on Sunday nights? Now I don't remember, but it was the type of appointment television that my whole family, all of us, sat down and we watched the wonderful world of Disney, always, every week. And so that was a big deal. And then we went to Disneyland in California when I was quite young. And then we went to Disney World very early on when Disney World so for me, it was that TV show and the, and the theme parks. My dad always thought the theme parks was quite probably the greatest creative endeavor in history, but the, specifically Disney World, that the big Disney. His sort of feeling was, oh, we've done several movies of the Muppets, and where I really want the Muppets to live on is in the Disney theme parks. Mm. And, and that was... Or, and he shared that with Michael Eisner, that what he really wanted more than anything in the world was to have the Muppets live on in the theme parks. And that's where they got talking and ultimately said, well, why don't we buy the company? And, and then my dad was going to be very high up in, at Disney, but let Disney own the Jim Henson Company. It was a, a wonderful idea and he was excited about it. But then unfortunately, he got ill. Well, one of the things I love about Earth to Ned is it really, to me, harkens back to the original Muppet show with this fantastically funny, frenetic energy for kids, but also these engaging ideas for adults as well. I had the, We had this idea that it was kind of built around this character of Ned. At first, it was Ned is an alien who is watching earth television and completely misunderstands earth but loves it and mm -hmm. and that just grew and grew and grew all coming off of this character of ned i we really got excited about this character that is so positive about mankind and so delighted by people and then to apply that as a point of view as a host on a late night talk show just started to tickle us endlessly. We, we just thought this could really work so well. Whereas right now, the, the tone of late night talk is, is often a little bit cynical, or sometimes it's a little too cool for school, or sometimes it's very bonhomie, but it's like, oh, but we're the in crowd, and we're going to let you guys who are the out crowd watch us who are in the in crowd. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, I like the idea of, of Ned is just delighted about everything and he and he's ignorant. The idea that he because he's an alien, you can justify that he's ignorant, ignorant of mankind and humanity, but appreciates it, thinks he understands it, but really gets it all wrong. And that allows this dynamic in the interviews, this point of view of him as an interview, boldly asking things that 
a host wouldn't. And being able to get confused by what the host is saying, so that, I mean, the guest is saying, so the guest kind of has to keep explaining themselves, which allows you to get a more intimate glimpse into the guest as well. So it's this very positive energy that comes out of the show. And it's an appreciation for everything that's good about mankind and even an appreciation for everything that's sort of absurd about us. And that's funny. And that's what kind of the world needs right now. We need, we need to laugh. We need to laugh with each other, not at each other. We need to laugh at ourselves. And then we need to laugh with our friends laughing at us. That's what we have to be able to do. And we have to not be hard on each other. And almost more than anything, we have to stop being so hard on ourselves. And all because all of this is sort of what's polarizing the world right now is we're all being hard on each other. Mm-hmm. I just thought this this could be a show that just can have a lasting sort of lift to your spirits that, that is a good, healthy, good thing right now. It's so funny you would say that because we also felt in a world that can be very cynical, Ned and Cornelius have this wonderful kind of innocence about them. They love celebrities, but they're legitimately curious about them and want to know and understand more. Mm-hmm. And yet Ned's a bit of a jerk. (laughs) And and that was Paul Rugg, the main performer on Ned. He's the one, he kind of pulled that in because I was sort of stuck on the idea that he was just endlessly delighted by everything about people. And then Paul started doing this great character because again, Ned is most often improvising and he started making... Ned, very narcissistic, and Ned is happy with any conversation as long as he's the center of the conversation. He started introducing some real personality flaws to Ned, but in such a way that layered on top of his delight and appreciation of mankind, it really really makes for a delightful and slightly more complex character. I think that's part of what adults appreciate about the show is is Ned's flaws and the flaws in this in the relationship and the dysfunction and some of the more sophisticated dysfunctional elements of the relationship between Cornelius and Ned and that's sort of what gives it that adult flavor without needing to ever become inappropriate for children it should really be I know co-viewing is what is the term everybody's throwing around these days but but it really is a show that is totally friendly for co-viewing Mm-hmm. which is adults and children watching together. For those who don't know, it's like it's a stupid show. It could be puppets and children. We don't know. True, <laughs> true. Well, you mentioned the complexity of Ned, and it's pretty complex that he requires six puppeteers. So does that make him one of the more complicated puppets your team has created? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we um, Ned, as a puppet, he's a further development of the type of puppet that pilot was in Farscape and pilot was a further development of the character Richfield that we did in dinosaurs back in 91 or something like that. Mm. So that's where his roots come from. And, And it is complex. And before we had motors and computer control systems that the puppeteers can use, Ned would have been a character that would require closer to 20 puppeteers to do. Wow. But by using the performance control system, which is too complicated to explain, it doesn't mean that any of his performance is pre-recorded, but the puppeteers 
can perform by expression as opposed to by individual movement. So it's like you, you can make him happy, which is actually moving 20 motors into specific positions. You don't have to move 20 motors into specific positions so that the puppeteers can sort of set up their puppet like a musical instrument. So yeah, Ned's got six puppeteers. Three are working his hands. One is inside, who's working the head position and body position. And then two are working the face. Paul is working the mouth and voicing the character. And then Alan was working the rest of the face. And it's actually what Paul and Alan are doing that not too long ago would have taken 10 puppeteers to do. And, and now we can do that with two to work a, compl- a, fa- a face that complicated. But I will say that when we set out to do this, in almost every show that I do, there's always something that I promise I can do that I really have no idea if I can do it. <laughs> and I know that if I'm doing that, then I'm going to, then it's enough original that I'll feel like I can't possibly be copying something else that we've done in the past. So with this one, it was taking a character that's, that has six people operating it and then have him improvising all the time. If you'd asked me five years ago, is that even possible? I would say, don't even try it because it would be, it will be too difficult. The big challenge was, will we ever be able to get Ned to actually be able to improvise? Because that's six performers who all have to be able to think in sync with each other and react in sync with each other, even though there's no script that's pointing out where the, the scene is going or what's going to happen. And it was hard. For the first couple of weeks, the puppeteers were really struggling. And then it all started coming together in an incredibly glorious way. And the fact that there was a guest that would come in and sit on that couch every day and sometimes two in a day to work with them. And the guests always were so delighted by Ned's performance. It was sort of like this great reward for our puppeteers because what they're doing, six of them trying to operate perfectly in sync without a script to guide them is it's a first. I'll tell you that. It's the first time any character that complicated has done that. Wow. You mentioned Paul's improv. I've already gushed about how fantastic I think Puppet Up is and the improv there. The banter, like uh, when Jenny Slate was on and she relates to the Claudes and Ned goes, can you eat a cow in less than nine seconds? Then you're not a Claude. I, I <laughs> had to rewatch that six times because I laughed so hard. Is this all just coming off the top of Paul's head? A lot of it. and But a lot of these are facts. Like we would have, a, we had fact sheets as well, like facts about the clods. The, an average clod lives 20 to 72 hours, 24 to 72 hours. Oh, uh, that's so right sad. Uh, and a clod can eat a cow in 90 seconds or whatever. The, so these were little fact bits that Paul kind of has around him. He's memorized some of them, but he also has little pieces. Of, I mean, the good thing is he's he's working just the mouth remotely. So he's got a little like music stands with facts and things written on them that he can go to if he wants to. So I think that particular fact was made up by Eliza Skinner, who's our head writer. Yes. She made up all sorts of backgrounds, their backstories and all of that for Cornelius and Ned and Betty to constantly be able to reference and, and be on the same page. So that would probably came from Eliza, but it was Paul that pulled it straight out real quickly. But the most amazing part of that Jenny Slate one is the whole prank phone call thing. Totally yeah. unplanned. Totally wow. unplanned. Really? Absolutely. 
Yeah, Jenny just said, I, you know, I used to prank phone call my grandfather and Ned goes, what prank phone call? What's that? And then oh my God. Colleen jumped up on the screen and said, or I think Ned said, I'd love to try a prank phone call. And, and Colleen brought Betty up on the screen and said, dialing random number now. And it was so amazing because <laughs> oh of course, when we were on set, there was like eight prank phone calls that they decided to make. And it got shut <laughs> down. The, but, you know, different puppeteers would just take on the responsibility of being the um, other side of the phone call. I have like six more puppeteers who are on microphone because they're working clods and things like that. And, you know, the phone would ring and one of them would pick up and it was all unplanned and it just kept going and going. And Jenny was hilarious. And then she starts doing her Angela Lansbury. I, I could not believe the Angela Lansbury. It was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but all of that, that was utterly unplanned. Because when I say it is all improvised, the interviews for sure, but we do tell the guests on the way in that we have a theme. We're going to be talking about comedy or we're going to be talking about emotions. We're going to be talking about love. What is love? And yet we're also going to go wherever we want to go. But like that whole part of that interview going off into prank phone calls, that would, had nothing to do with any of the preparation and was just delightful to be in the room with. Oh, my gosh. OK, you mentioned the clods. The clods are just so adorable. And yet they're also very, how do I put this, lethal? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very lethal. We, don't, we didn't really explore their lethality that much in the show. But yeah, they're very, very dangerous because this is supposed to be a war ship, you know, that comes down and disables a planet and enables the following armadas to take over and invade. And the clods are little attack. They're like a little attack creatures. <laughs> and Betty is growing them all the time. There's a room where the clods are being grown all the time and being released. So I think it's pretty hilarious that you sort of fall in love with these little creatures, but they're like, ah. You know, Ned will get very upset because one of them died. And then he'll go, oh, well, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't last long at all anyway. <laughs> oh, God. You mentioned Betty, but uh, is that just Colleen Smith jumping in? Yeah. Her one-liners. Oh, my gosh. I just. I, uh... Well, Colleen, if you've watched Puppet Up, you know that Colleen is an anchor on Puppet Up. The choice of what does Betty look like? Betty has another look, which is very scary and alien but because our thinking was because she's artificial reality artificial intelligence rather she can decide what she looks like and she can look like whatever she wants to look like and while they're doing a talk show while they're on earth she's sort of made a kind of unimaginative choice of just being a relatively generic human face <laughs> which i just thought was kind of fun because you have these super alien characters all around but there's betty and she shows up as a kind of generic face human face but she has another form that you will see sometimes Ooh. where she she can revert back to the way she used to present herself before they got to earth which is fun <laughs> all right who would be some of your dream guests to have on earth tonight oh i don't know i will tell you though that the types of guests of which very much most of ours were the type of guests that's best are the ones that are fearless mm. And the more that they don't expect what's coming, the more they actually enjoy the experience. And the ones that are very nervous about doing something that will embarrass them or humiliate them, those type of guests, are it's not going to work well. It's not going to work as well anyway. So even if, I guess sometimes we've had guests who 
have a reputation that way. But then once they're there and they get it, they, they become game. But the type of guests that are best are the ones that really are happy to talk about anything, jump in, fearlessly be game, up for trying anything when they're there with Ned. That's our favorite type of guest. You've worked on so many projects that were or are now part of Disney, from Bear in the Big Blue House, which I loved, to Dinosaurs, to Muppet Christmas Carol, to Muppets Tonight, to The Great Muppet Caper, to Return to Oz. Do you have a favorite? I do. I don't want to, but I do, which was Muppet Christmas Carol. And the reason why is because I was utterly terrified through that entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) I begged so many other people to direct that movie. You know, I was 26 when my father died. So I was 26 when I took over the company. And and I was CEO for about a year. David Laser, who is my father's business partner, he was sort of doing it with me. And in fact, he was really the interim CEO for a little while, but just long enough, he was trying to get me in there as quick as he could. So then Muppet Christmas Carol was the first big thing that we were going to do with the Muppets. And it didn't start that big. It started as a one hour ABC special. And it was before Disney had bought ABC. And what happened was the script was developing very nicely and it was looking like fun. And then... Jeffrey Katzenberg saw the script and then he said, I really want to make this as a movie. And then, you know, I tried to get, I would say the directors that I consider my mentors, Frank Oz, Steve Barron, even Anthony Minghella, I talked, I tried to get other directors to direct it. I was like, guys, I've only done preschool television and I've done a couple of second units directed a couple of second units and, and all of them kind of ganged up on me and said, you have to do it. And in fact, if you keep offering it to other people, we're going to call them and tell them that to say no. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to direct Muppet Christmas Carol and I felt over my head, but Frank Oz was incredibly helpful and supportive and Alex Rockwell, incredible. And Jerry Jewell wrote the most amazing script. Mm. And Jerry had the idea of putting Gonzo in there as Charles Dickens so that we could hear the Charles Dickens prose. And it's why in England, it's considered the most faithful adaptation of A Christmas Carol ever produced, because we're the only ones who had Charles Dickens in the movie. And 95% of Gonzo's dialogue is actually just Charles Dickens prose pulled straight out of the book and stuck into into Gonzo's mouth. But when you do that, it it result is delightful and, and entertaining and kind of funny and kind of ridiculous in a wonderful way. But anyway, I was very scared making that movie. But as I was watching The Rushes, I was like, oh, this is, oh, it's really coming out good. And like every day I thought it's all going to fall apart horribly tomorrow. (laughs) And then it just never did. And it was, it's a delightful film and everybody involved uh, did such wonderful work. And I, I largely, it was the first big thing after my father died. So everybody was, was knowing this is going to be hard to do emotionally and hard to do well, but let's really, really try as hard as we can. And, and, and the result, I, I'm very proud of that one. So I would say that's my favorite for those reasons. Mm. Oh, I love that. Well, we end every episode by asking our guests for their favorite Disney memory. So do you have one you could share with us? I have to say it's probably the monorail. Mm. When I, yeah, when I went to Disney World with my family and my brother and I could take the monorail 
And we could take it without an adult with us. <laughs> ah, yes. yes. <laughs> I really, and we stayed in the Contemporary, which at mm-hmm. the time was a brand new hotel down in Florida. And the monorail came into the middle of the Contemporary, which I just thought was the coolest thing. I think that was a powerful memory for me early on was getting on the monorail. I felt like I was living in an episode of Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, the monorail was one of my favorite things to do because my parents would let me just go around and around from the contemporary and do it by myself. So completely can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I love all the movies and stuff like that. But I, the memory that I can't forget is that first time that that monorail came into the contemporary, we got on it. I just thought, oh, my God, it's the future. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And our pal, Bob Gurr, who uh, has been on the show, he was the Imagineer who created it. So we will let him know that you said that, because I think All that right. he'll get a kick out of that, definitely. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. Congratulations on the success of Earth to Ned. Love it so much. And if people are listening who have not already watched the show twice, Go back, watch it again. Watch it twice, maybe four times. You may need to <laughs> just to get all of the fun. So congratulations and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Guys, I love Brian Henson so much. I love the Muppets. I love puppets. I love <laughs> Earth to Ned. Without giving anything away, I know that you guys are still working your way through the full series, mm-hmm. but the final two episodes are the funniest. And I was crying and laughing the whole time it was so good (laughs) anyway i now have plans this weekend thank you (laughs) well thanks again for listening to d23 inside disney don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe and if you want to chat with us of course use the hashtag d23 inside disney and for all the latest disney info check out d23.com We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic <laughs> guest here on an all-new episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney. I was not expecting that.